When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks on the move. I'm Corey Johnson. Today, September 8, means it's episode number 91. Well, Coupa Software reminds people in the world of business there's plenty of room to grow when you're shrinking your expenses. And in a big quarter, Smartsheet shows that people are looking for new ways to work post-COVID. And we're going to talk about the growing business of animal health. Who didn't get a COVID puppy? We'll talk about that growing business with Covetra's CEO, Ben Wollen. This is an important supplier to virtually every vet you've ever seen. You want to hear about this company. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight ever. With Era, customize your company watch list and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And we hope you're listening to the Drill Down every day. Find a place to put into your daily schedule, your commute, your dog walk, your COVID dog walk. We hope you listen to us every day. And the Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. All right, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill. Now we explain the business stories behind stocks on the move. And joining me as always, executive producer Isaac Webster. You got my last name right. Well done. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's good to get to know you a little bit here. <laughs> we've known each other know long enough. Yeah. How long have we uh, known each other? Oh God. Maybe just a few minutes. <laughs> put in on like 10, 15 years, 10, 12 years maybe. I don't like to put a number on it. In but any case. Yeah. Let's get, let's get, number, let's get to the three. News. Yes. Can you give us the three most important business stories of the day? Number one. Let's start with the Fed. The U.S. economic growth slowed over the summer due to the Delta variant, the Fed's beige bush book says, beige book says, report on the report on economic activity cited widespread pullback in dining out, travel and tourism, all related to the latest COVID surge. Now, this report, known as the beige book, collects anecdotes from businesses around the country. Supply problems and a shortage of available workers also held back growth in some sectors like auto and home sales. And we, we, you know, we're getting more and more clues about this when you hear all these companies, but it, it will be very interesting to what we see when we see third quarter reports from companies for a lot of businesses, always yeah. the, the worst quarter, the most, you know, at risk quarter of the year, COVID's thrown everything upside down, but a Delta variant slowdown, you know, it's at a really kind of weak time for companies. We'll see how they, and, and as stimulus is slowing down and everything else, we'll see what this means for uh, business results. Now, speaking of uh, the economy, demand for workers in the U.S. remained strong, but leveled off in the late summer due to due to an easing of job openings for in-person services positions as the economic recovery slowed. I mean, I'm sorry, showed signs of slowing due to Delta. 
the variant of COVID-19 that we talk about every day. The postings on job search site Indeed.com were up about 39% at the end of August from February 2020 ahead of the pandemic. That's marked a modest gain from the comparable week of July when postings were up 37% from February 2020. So Indeed's growing. We know we're big fans of Indeed. They're an advertiser here. We I'll be reading an Indeed ad in a few minutes. we love the support <laughs> Full from Indeed, disclosure. but I think yeah. that they, you know, the, it is a very big and very growing platform and the results that they're yeah. showing on their site to start to tell us a lot about not just how Indeed is doing, but how the economy itself mm-hmm. is doing. Absolutely. And finally, Coinbase says the SEC is investigating its crypto lending program. Coinbase's co-founder and CEO, Brian Armstrong, disclosed the dispute in a series of tweets late last night on Tuesday. He called the SEC's actions, quote, sketchy and, quote, intimidation tactics behind closed doors and said other crypto companies are able to offer such programs. Yeah, he, he was scathing. I don't know if you read the, the I think it was 14 tweets. Yeah. But I was uh, I was greeted by those in the wee hours this morning and thought, oh, this is quite the screed. He's uh, among the things that he said is that that they, proposed, you know, this crypto lending program is quite common. People deposit their crypto and get paid some interest and the mm-hmm. company is loaning them out. You know, when you have shares, when you leave with a brokerage of stock, the brokerage is lending them out. They're just not paying you for the interest that they're getting paid for those shares. Um, and in fact, you know, what, what Armstrong said is that they said, hey, SEC, just FYI, we want to do this thing that all the other, many of the other um, exchanges are doing. And the SEC wouldn't tell them why they were against it. They just demanded a bunch of records and demanded to, uh, to talk to some of the employees at Coinbase, at least according to Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase. But it was a fairly remarkable series of tweets uh, from this, you know, now very important company in the world of, uh, of business and crypto. What I found the most interesting about this story is that I don't know Brian Armstrong personally, but I've been around him for quite a while, especially at our former employer, bringing him on other pro- television programs yeah. there. He's, he is not... He doesn't come across as someone who's going to have a trigger, a Twitter trigger finger. He's not he someone. He seems more mild mannered, to be he sure. He seems mild mannered and moderate um, in his personality. So the fact that this tweet storm came from someone like Brian Armstrong, to me, I find surprising. However, you know, I don't know him personally. But you definitely know like behind closed doors. My suspicion is that those tweets were vetted by lawyers. Oh, sure. It was a planned, you know, it was a planned. It was, it was, it wasn't. You know, you, you got to remember, like, important executives in the world, people, you know, in business, global leaders, they don't sit up at night eating cheeseburgers, sending out crazy tweets in their bathrobes. No, they're just presidents and, of the of countries, right? <laughs> they get banished oh, to Florida. What a less entertaining place it is as a result. Oh, God. Corey, what stocks are drilling down on today? Let's start with ICU Medical. ICU Medical Trades under ICUI. Shares rose 26% today, and they've gained 40% in a year. Tell me about ICU Medical. So ICU Medical is a you know decent-sized um, company that does kind of what it sounds like. They provide stuff for ICUs and, and hospitals and doctor's offices, and they announced a pretty big deal today uh, in terms of uh, um, how, how much they're spending. They're spending $2.3 billion in cash and stock to acquire Smith's Medical, Division of Smith's Group. I guess there's one less oh. member of the group in Smith's Group because Smith's <laughs> Medical has now gone to ICU Medical. Smith's Medical's businesses, including syringe and ambulatory infusion devices, vascular access devices, vital care products, 
And so ICU Medical, based in San Clemente, California, wants to uh, put all this under one roof and start to see themselves as the leading IV therapy company of any kind of IV therapy. And when they were on the conference call this morning uh, talking about this, this somewhat surprising deal that they, they announced in the in the wee hours, they were asked, you know, very specifically, like, what's this going to do for revenues? And, okay, cool, you're buying another business, but that will help you help you grow those revenues, uh, to which CEO Vivek Jain said, well, essentially, okay, you spend two billion. Well, what do you think? I think if you're going to spend uh, two plus billion dollars, you know, and at some point you have to believe you can impact the revenues. So I, I think we, we do think we have the right to win with the full suite of products. So we have to believe we can grow the revenues. I think we were saying we didn't put anything in the model for that. And it'll take a little bit of time as always, but we grew the company again, finally, from revenue perspective here last year. We think we're on track to do that this year. And I think that would certainly carry through to our expectations for what a combination would be. So, yeah, you spend two billion bucks, you expect the business to grow, not just buy the two, the, the revenues of the former company and see them stay flat. But this is a company that has, has struggled to see revenues grow a lot, in, even in spite of a pandemic. And uh, this might be the boost they need or not. Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look at Coupa Software. Coupa trades under Coop, C-O-U-P. Shares dropped 4% today and they've lost 8% in a year. What's going on with Coupa? So I think that sometimes when we talk about this, some of these companies, for our listeners, they might all start to sound alike. Like, oh, something or other software, something, I don't know. Think of Coupa as recoup. So the idea of Coupa Software is that it manages the expense accounts, and the expense programs across a corporation so that you can find out that if Joey's spending, you know, a buck 50 for a box of paper clips and Jill is spending a buck 25, maybe we should all go to Jill's vendor or maybe even have the, the same vendors. And it starts to look across an entire company to figure out how they can manage their expenses better uh, with very modern software that does a lot of analytics and really figures out where money's being spent, where money's being overspent, and lets the company be aware of those things. And what they've found is that during uh, during COVID, uh, and when companies were suddenly accelerating uh, their their uh, uh, digital transformation, there's our drinking game. Mm, digital digital transformation. transformation, yum. Um, but when companies are becoming increasingly digital, that they are starting to look for ways to solve problems they didn't really know were solvable with software previously. So the company reported earnings revenue that was up 42% year over year to $179 million. Uh, their subscriptions up 40%, uh, which was most of those revenues. Um, and so, you know, very strong growth for this company. And, you know, the, one of the questions put to them was, is this because you've gotten bigger customers? And you really just move the business from small businesses to big businesses. And what would a, if you look at the annual subscription price point, is that number going up because you're able to charge the bigger businesses more money? Coupa used to sell more kind of mid-sized or smaller size businesses. CEO uh, Rob Bernstein says absolutely not that, yeah, they're moving up market, but they've got really three different kinds of businesses and they're all working well. And all of them are seeing their average subscription price paid to Coupa go up. It's not just a move up market. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, uh, and I think it's, it's worthwhile for, for everyone listening to understand this is, we don't have a continued move up market. We have three really strong businesses in enterprise, in upper mid market and mid market, which have a really strong growth rate, 
have a very strong uh, sales and marketing efficiency to them uh, that are operating in and of themselves separately as very good, strong businesses. Having said that, all when you look at aggregate, and, and by the way, individually, uh, the average uh, subscription, annual subscription price point has continued to grow in all segments, virtually every quarter now for 50 quarters, which is very, very encouraging. And that is not just a move up market. That is a continued move to de- deliver more and more of the BSM footprint, more and more of the value as a service to our customers, both up front, as you noted, as well as uh, for those that stay with us and add on more components. All of it boils down to this vision lock we have with our customers around digitally transforming their, their back office operations through uh, modern business spend management solutions. Vision lock. That sounds almost romantic. Yeah. I've got butterflies. I mean, vision, like it's like you and I have vision lock. Yeah. I'm locked we on you right now. business news for business people. Vision yeah. lock. We're locked yeah. in. We're locked. We have a vision. We're locked into it. Marching forward. And occasionally on Friday nights loaded. (laughs) Corey, what is your next drill down? We're having too much fun today. We need to get back to Okay, stop. No more fun. Yeah. Podcast. Make a podcast. Smart Sheet is a software company I want to look at right now. Another one of those. Rando yeah. software companies. Smart Sheet uh, trades under SMAR. Shares fell 14% today, but they have gained 47% over the past 12 months. What's new with Smart Sheet? Yeah, they gained the shares up 47% over the last 12 months. Uh, revenues up 44% the quarter they announced uh, overnight. And they uh, did $132 million for a company maybe you've never heard of. Maybe you have. Um, have you heard of this company? I have. I don't know. But it's, so, okay, but so it's sp- not a well-known company. Uh, Based in Seattle, uh, right? And it's a $9 billion market cap, nothing to sneeze at. Right. Very interesting business, though, in that it's another one of these digital software solutions to things that people used to do on paper even last year. Mm-hmm. And that is that they help teams collaborate, share information across their, play, you know, share their to-do list with each other. It's like Monday.com. It's like Asana. It's a, a, a one of these many companies that are Trello, uh, you know, that people use to do some of these things. It's really to help people understand and share projects as they build on these projects in a digital way. Now, um, they, like I said, they showed pretty good growth. Some people, Wall Street people wanted more, whatever. 44% growth to me year over year is pretty good. And uh, what's interesting is that what they're saying is they're actually seeing not just a recovery of where we were in 2019. They really are seeing a totally different way of doing business. And people who started a digital transformation or accelerated a digital, digital transformation during COVID, during 2020, I should say, we're still in the midst of COVID, I'm going to have to stop saying that, but in 2020, when companies started to look to be more digital, now they're really looking to be more digital and making wholesale changes. And that's what Smartsheet says they're benefiting from, uh, or so says the chief financial officer, Pete Godbull. I think uh, what I would say is, you know, we're starting to see that recovery go beyond where we were in the COVID times. And you can see that in the metrics, whether it's the transactional volumes, whether you see that in the cycle times, you're seeing that in space. So I think you're starting to see that. And I think as it relates to the, um, you know, are we a systemic beneficiary of it? I think that's a longer term question. But clearly, over the last 12 or 18 months, the fluency with the space has gone up and you're seeing that in transactional volumes. So there you have it. People changing the way they work and they're seeing in the volume of deals that they're doing. Well, coming up next, another thing you're seeing are COVID pets. A lot of people bought animals last year when they were cooped up at home. It's not a reference to Coupa software. It's a reference 
to Covetris. The CEO, Ben Wolin, joins us in just a second. And, you know, the big questions here with this, Isaac, with this business is, can they keep the growth they got during COVID? And what does continuing spending on pets mean to a supplier like Covetris, a supplier to veterinary clinics? We'll have those answers from the CEO right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. And The Drill Down is brought to you by Indeed. When you pay for a job site, you should know what you're getting. Get Indeed and only pay for quality candidates who meet your must-have requirements. Don't just hope for your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools will help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skill sets to help make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined and one and a half times more hires than even internal referrals. So join the more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now. Drill Down listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Drill Down. That's right, at 70, a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Drill Down. That's Indeed.com slash Drill Down. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. We're joined right now by Ben Wollen, the CEO of Covetris. Now, I thought this initially was one of those stupid names that some consultant comes up with. It makes absolutely no sense. My favorite of all time was, can I say this on the air? Was was when Cabletron renamed themselves into something that they wanted us to pronounce enterosis, but everyone at the CNBC news desk would look at it at the coffee cups they sent around it and said, I think it says enter asses. They surely didn't mean that. Why would Enterosis be better than Cabletron? But Covetris makes a lot sense if one were to pronounce it Covets are us. Is that that is not how you pronounce it though, is it? No, it's in it's Covetris, but it would have been worse if it was Interests. So, you know, yes. I, I appreciate that you uh <laughs> you kind of kept it together. Well, you so you guys put this company together somewhat recently. You were on the board and joined as CEO not all that long ago, uh, but put it together sort of as pieces of another company and then a merger. Explain that, sort of the, the origins of this company. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting background or an interesting story. So in February of 2019, Covetris was created. It was the result of a merger um, of two entities. One was a spin-out from Henry Schein, which is a large-scale distributor uh, and software company in the human health, dental health, and animal health space. And so the animal health division merged with a venture-backed technology company called Vets First Choice. And those two entities, which was really 30-plus companies in totality, um, came together and formed Covetris in February of 2019 and became a public company at that time. And what was, what was the notion there? What strengths did that pull together? What weaknesses or, or, or divergent business, uh, businesses were sort of carved away from the company? Yeah, so um, the resulting company... Uh, was about uh, a little bit more than 5,000 people, $4 billion of revenue, and really had three lines of business. It had a traditional distribution business, so an intermediary between manufacturers and veterinarians, a software business, um, what we call PIMS, which is 
practice management software, the thing that uh, a veterinarian would use to run their practice. And then pharmacy businesses, uh, vets make their money not just by providing services, but also buying and reselling medication. And so those three different businesses, which were kind of cut across Henry Schein and Vets First Choice, came together to provide this really one-stop solution for veterinarians to uh, run their their businesses. Now, maybe it's because I'm here in, in Silicon Valley, but I, th- if, I feel like the, you know, if we can call the San Francisco Ferry Building the Silicon Valley, which why not? Um, but it does seem that software, while it's not your biggest business at all, does seem to be kind of the glue and the and the growth engine and the thing that keeps you connected with all of these vets and makes your other businesses work. Is, is that is that am I overly Silicon Valley centric in that belief? I, you know, even though you're in the ferry building, I think it counts. Um, I, I, you know, the 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 software really is the gateway or, you know, what we sometimes internally refer to as the operating system for the veterinary practice. You you can't run a clinic, whether you're in, you know, Berlin, Germany, Topeka, Kansas, uh, Sydney, Australia, without some sort of practice management software. It's, it is the repository of all your information for your patients. It's the workflow tools that you use. It's no different than you know uh, an electronic health record uh, or EMR that you would get from a primary care physician or pediatrician. Um, so it is the access point that everything revolves around. And as you said, uh, it really provides glue that brings together all of these different pieces, whether it be uh, products, um, distribution, uh, pharmacy services, client communications, which is like a CRM tool for veterinarians. Um, but it is very much the, the central point that everything pivots around. And yet it's only about 2% of sales. C- correct. But in the U.S., we have uh, north of 50% market share. So uh, while we don't generate a ton of revenue and profits from it, um, it is, as this, as I said, this key access or entry point for the rest of the, the products and services that we sell. Now, how much of that business is in the cloud currently, and where do you think that's going to be going forward? Yeah, so you know it's interesting. Historically, uh, that that type of solution was an on-prem solution, like literally a server sitting in the basement or the closet of the veterinarian's office. Um, and it is uh, moving towards the cloud. You know, right now we're a, a combination of on-prem and cloud. But you know, over the next you know five to ten years, you would expect that to really move to the cloud with all other applications um, that that are required to run a veterinary practice. That's that's not cheap for you development wise. It's also probably, although it's probably easier than it's ever been. It also seems like that would be the kind of thing that would be um, can can be for you. See this with other companies. Adobe comes to mind in particular, where it was really difficult for those companies, just in terms of it was good business. And it meant great for the long-term business, but in the short term, it really beat them up quarter to quarter because it was really lumpy. The the sales that used to be wonderful when you'd have a new system upgrade didn't happen because it was stalled out over time with kind of monthly upgrades and so on. Yeah, I mean, Adobe definitely is the poster child of that on-prem um, to cloud-based conversion. And, and you're right that in the moment it was rocky and there was a lot of volatility, but over the long term, it really paid huge dividends for them and and they came out the other side. So, you know, fortunately for us, it, you know, it, the the revenue contribution or the profit contribution is small, so we can handle some of that volatility. Um, yeah. But we uh, um, actually have our first uh, 
you know, major cloud release happening uh, this quarter. Um, some of the products already in beta, beta, and um, we should be in general release in Q1. So we're super excited about the investment that we made there and, and what's coming for customers in the coming months. Now, explain to me how the RX management business works. Obviously, the, 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 the pet owner and the, and the vet make the decision about what to prescribe. But how do you guys get involved in that process so that you can see? Because you did, you know, nearly four hundred million in revenues trailing in that in that area. It's a big business for you. Yeah, absolutely. And now on a basically a more than five hundred million dollar run rate. So um, the, the way that business works. So may, maybe I'll step back and just look at a veterinary practice in general. So about a you know somewhere between fifteen and twenty five percent of a vet's profit comes from buying and reselling medication. Um, that can be anything from a vaccine, um, to a preventative, to a nutraceutical, um, uh, the way our RX management business works is it allows a vet to have a white labeled e-commerce solution where we are providing a best of breed e-commerce experience for that vet. We hold the inventory ourselves. So the veterinarian doesn't have to buy and resell the medication and we have it actually delivered to their, um, uh, to their home. So, um, uh, it's a, it's a revenue share at the end of the day, um, you know, with, with the vet and, um, we run this full soup to nuts e-commerce experience. So it's great for the veterinarian and great for the consumer. And growing really fast and growing very fast. Why is that growing so fast? You know, I, a lot of it's just driven by the shift in consumer need and um, how consumers want to transact with their vet. You know, historically, you know, 10 years ago, you'd go to the veterinarian, they prescribe you a medication. If they didn't have it in-house, you'd have to come back a couple of days later. Now the vet says, great news, I'll just have it shipped to your home and I'll put you on auto ship a la Amazon Prime and um, it'll start coming on a, you know, every other week or every month basis. Um, and it'll have all the convenience of an Amazon yet connected to your local veterinarian. Um, it's, it sounds like a fantastic practice. Now let's, let's get to COVID and the COVID puppy, right? The, the concept that so many people who didn't have pets before uh, during the pandemic adopted pets. We brought pets I, in their I, house. I, and- I got a COVID puppy. It was a disaster, but I did. I already <laughs> had a dog, but I re- I uh, succumbed to the family pressure. Uh, they claimed it was going to be uh, this huge beneficial uh, moment for our family, but um, we're we're still trying to get to the other side of that. <laughs> we we I, I got they, they they hit me before the pandemic, and they're hitting me again now after uh, for another one. I, I don't they, know, they're I don't really know great, but they're like more children. You mean your your actual family or the dogs themselves? I mean both, <laughs> but the dogs both. <laughs> Well, uh, th- this was the, we we are you aren't the only one, right? This yeah. was this was a, a huge trend that we saw. It was uh, we talked about it on a recent podcast, and then I saw New York Magazine put it on the cover. I think last week that that this so many people uh, adopted pets during this time, and I wonder what the effect that had on your business. And indeed, there's a suggestion, Ben, and I don't really care about your stock price, but there, you know, and certainly you do. But but you know, in terms of how the business works, there seems to be a belief out there that this is a one-time phenomenon. And the growth that you had last year can't ever be uh, seen again. Yeah, you know, I mean, clearly uh, COVID helped um, drive the business, um, drive the end market, I would say. Although I would also point out that pre-COVID, 
the animal health industry was growing nicely as as well. So all I can tell you is that, you know, really month after month, week after week, um, we continue to see a lot of positive momentum in the business. Um, you mentioned the prescription management business as an example, which is booming. Uh, the rest of the business is doing great, great as well, not just here in the U.S., but all over the globe. Um, so I, I have a hard time imagining that, uh, you know, the, the growth in, in the pet industry is going to slow down. Uh, not only are people, you know, adopting more pets, but people are treating them uh, like the kids uh, that they have. And, you know, what used to be abnormal, say, oncology treatment, arthritis treatment, diabetes treatment, even an ACL surgery uh, for your pet is now commonplace. And so uh, whether it's more pets or more discretionary spend on pets, uh, we have a pretty rosy view of the future. What Explain to me the sales process for you guys. How do you get into a new vet? You said you've got 50% market share already in the software side, but how do you get into a new vet? How do you sort of upsell through that process and get them uh, involved in more of your programs, not least of which is RX? Yeah, well, here in the U.S., we have uh, several hundred salespeople, uh, both uh, on the phones and in the field, um, who have been doing business with our customers for you know more than a decade. Uh, like I said, when the business came together, it was really a collection of assets. You had this distribution business, the software business, RX management. Um, so we're doing business with most vets in some form or fashion. And you know when we're doing a good job, we're bringing new products and services to market, introducing them to our existing customers or to new customers, um, and showing them how it can drive a better outcome for their business, whether that be a healthcare outcome or a business outcome. So you're knocking on doors, or at least you used to be back when that was a thing. Yeah, so you know where that, are it you was, in that yeah, process it's, it's, of going back to work and getting back in the field and traveling again and so on? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, when when COVID hit, as you probably know, so many veterinarians went to a, a model where they were, you know, deemed essential workers. But if you were a pet owner, you basically sat in your car outside the practice. The vet or the vet tech came and got your your pet you know, did the treatment, did the visit and brought your pet back. Uh, and our salespeople had the, the kind of the same phenomenon um, happen to them. We're back in the field now, um, but obviously abiding by, you know, whatever local guideline or national guideline is in place, depending on the country you're in. Um, and what I would say is given the breadth of solutions that we have to offer, um, everything from products uh, to software, um, you know, our relationship with our customers is pretty essential to that customer for their business to continue to thrive and succeed. So um, when we moved from, you know, in-person to Zoom or telephone or, you know, FaceTime visits, whatever was required, um, a lot of that just kept trucking. And you see that in the results of the business. Yeah, Are, are you seeing that change? I mean, I've heard that described as as you, 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 you give your dog over to the vet and then you got to pay the ransom for whatever they decided was necessary to get the dog back. <laughs> But uh, um, uh, that's perhaps pejorative towards the vet. But I I, uh, I wonder if, you know, with Delta variant, with the shutdowns are kind of unequal across the country right now, um, if you're seeing a return to that and if that has an effect on your business. Does your business business do better when the salesperson's in the building? And if they can't get in the building, does your business therefore do worse? I, I would say that the, da the data wouldn't uh, support that just because the business has boomed in the last two years. Um, you know, our business does well when we provide value to our customers that helps them either practice better healthcare or run a better business. Um, our salespeople do a great job of helping communicate that value and show, you know, helping solve problems for them. But ultimately, 
the business is built on driving value back to the to the customer. So um, I think we've shown that we're adaptive and can evolve. And uh, if anything, you know, what, what have we learned in the last two years is that um, things are going to keep changing and that we'll have to keep changing with them. And I suppose the, the, the metrics of growth aren't, you know, if you get a dog in 2020, you still have the dog in 2023, most likely. And so those, likely. that spending continues. Yeah, a- absolutely. It's, it's, it's like children. Um, they, you know, you, you keep going and you likely don't give them back. All right. Covetra CEO, Ben Wollen, thank you very much. We do appreciate your time. Coming up next on the drill down, we have the drill down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. We've got a number that's going to really help illuminate uh, just how broad the market penetration is for Covetris here in the U.S., let alone in Europe. We'll have that number when the drill down continues. The drill down is brought to you by Era. With Era, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you have so many choices on where you want to listen to the drill down, to the drill down. Maybe like everyone else who's listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and iTunes or Pandora or Stitcher. Maybe Audible, but maybe try Deezer or Listen Notes. But whatever it is, click the follow button. Make sure you catch every show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right, we're back with a drill down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot about Covet Russ. Covets are us. I don't know how we're Covetris. supposed to pronounce I know it's Covetris, Isaac, but I just thought, you know, it is it is Vets are us. I think that's a clever title. Well, look, they have, and we mentioned this, 50% market share of all the veterinary practices in the country. It's 22,000 customers for their software alone. I think that gives them kind of a grip customers for all the other stuff that they do, whether it's selling drugs, prescribing drugs or whatever, that kind of gives us some stickiness that their competitors in the pause space don't have. Nice. Well done with pause space. I mean, that that's entrenched. I don't know how you get them out. You have to develop something better than what they offer. Yeah. And 10% of them are on the cloud. So that adoption is happening apace, kind of bringing those systems up to modern times. And we are going to take a pause. I'm Corey Johnson. We appreciate your time. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. Ben Wilson is our editor extraordinaire. The Drill Downs is a production of the Business Podcast Network.